listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. Creative Pep Talk exists to help you fulfill your creative destiny. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can keep up to date with Creative Pep Talk and my illustration work by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump in. I really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. Just as a heads up, I made a special 11 by 14 poster for this episode that says make your own waves. This episode is all about not waiting and going with the flow and expecting a current to come sweep you off your feet and take you to your dreams, your creative career destiny. You've got to make stuff happen. You've got to act. And I made a poster as a reminder for you and me. Go check it out at creativepeptalk.com slash shop. Have you ever felt like nothing was happening? Not good, not bad. You were just stuck in this place where it's just the same thing. You can't seem to break into a new level, a new stage, a different season, and you're just stuck reliving the same garbage over and over. Maybe you're not where you used to be. You've escaped a place. Maybe you quit your job. Maybe you, uh, you, know, you, you quit doing certain types of contracts or whatever it is, but you got out of that stuff, but you're not really where you want to be, and you've been in this stage for a long time, maybe months, maybe even years of the same kind of thing and you just can't seem to get into that higher zone with your heroes, the people that you want to be like. You know, you can't get those same jobs, those same clients um, and you're just kind of stuck on a hamster wheel of sorts, a creative career limbo, if you will. It's called a liminal space. It's this space in between point A and point B where it's neither here nor there. Uh, You just feel like you're treading water. That is a terrible place to be in. I've been in there tons of places. This idea of being in the desert, this idea of being in the belly of the whale. It doesn't feel like progress. You don't feel like you're losing anything, but you don't feel like you're really gaining anything. And you can't seem to break through and get unstuck and go into a new season where you're really feeling excited and new things are happening, new levels of breakthrough, new, uh, new, new experiences, 
that you haven't had before in your career. Uh, and I've been in that place lots of times. And it's a sucky place. And in this episode, I want to talk about how you get unstuck. And looking back, I think that I figured out one of the key things that happens when you're stuck is that usually you know the next right thing that you need to do, but you're unwilling to do it for a myriad of reasons. In 2010, I really, really wanted to make a podcast at the intersection of business, marketing, and creativity, a podcast about creative careers, aka the podcast that you're listening to. But it took me four years to launch the podcast, not because I was doing anything in those four years that was leading to this podcast, but because literally I just couldn't make it over the hurdle the hurdle of the fear of putting myself out there in this way, this idea of being scrutinized as the only podcast about this subject at the time, if you can believe it. I know there's a lot of those kinds of things out these days, but back in the day, in 2010, nobody was doing that type of podcast, and especially the type that I wanted to be making, and I was just petrified of putting myself out there in that way, you know, putting my audio whole self, this weird, as you can know, if you've listened to this show, you know that I'm a weird guy and I'm putting it all out there and it's just a bit weird. And I knew that, you know, when I meet people actually, when I meet, when I would go to a new school or whatever, it takes me a long time to come out of my shell because I'm self-aware enough to realize that what's inside here is quite strange. And so I just try to like, you know, do the whole throw the frog in and just slowly turn up the heat so they don't notice, you know, <laughs> the six months to a year into knowing me, you're like, well, yeah, it's totally normal that Andy's making all those weird voices and characters and saying things that don't make any sense. Uh, that, <laughs> that's just, you know, how I do my thing. I like to warm it up. And so just thinking about putting myself out there in that manner just seems so overwhelming not to mention all the technical jazz that I knew that I would have to learn in order to launch a podcast. And when you call technical things jazz, that means you don't know anything about technical stuff. Uh, I didn't want to learn about the microphone jazz, the software jazz, the hosting jazz, all of that. <laughs> I'm trying to see how many times I can say the word jazz. I didn't want to learn all that stuff and I was overwhelmed and I just couldn't imagine making that happen. And so it took me four years to do that. But the funny thing is, is that you're stuck in the belly of the whale until you pull the trigger on the next right thing. And once I figured that out and I recognized those symptoms, those, thank, those fears, those blockades, the things that were in the way, once I recognized that, I've gotten way better at keeping those liminal spaces to much shorter periods of time. And so nowadays, when I noticed, when I noticed that I'm hesitating, I'm stutter stepping on something, I try to identify what's stopping me and break through much quicker. And today I want to talk to you about the process that I've been using to make that happen. So I spend as little time in creative career limbo as possible. To illustrate this point, let's talk about sandwiches. Uh, I'm a massive sandwich fan. I love a good sandwich. And uh, <laughs> just to illustrate how ridiculous it is, how ridiculous we get, myself included, how much we talk and talk and talk about doing a thing before actually doing it and let fear stop us. Let's compare the guy which I've been this guy for years, I'm sure this is me, uh, that talks about wanting to write a book. And let's compare wanting to write a book, let's replace that phrase with wanting to eat a sandwich, just to see how ridiculous it is to be stuck in this limbo. So just imagine a conversation between two chaps uh, talking about writing a book. His, this friend says, Man, I think I'm gonna write a book. I think I really want to just get, I think it's my thing. I think I'm gonna sink my teeth in deep into, let's change it to, <laughs> eating a sandwich. I wanna eat a sandwich. 
I just, I'm ready. I'm ready to eat a sandwich. I think I've got enough bandwidth to finally um, make this happen if I can just uh, figure it out. And the guy's like, dude, do it. Eat the sandwich. What's stopping you? And uh, go ahead, just eat it. Go home and eat a sandwich right now. He's like, just hold on there. You can't just eat a sandwich willy-nilly. There's a giant process that has to happen in order to get into the right frame of mind and the frame of stomach to chomp on a sandwich. So I've been working on it. I've been studying the routines of great sandwich eaters over the years. And I found that if I wake myself up at 6.05, I'm in the perfect digestion cycle in order to house the kind of sandwich that I'm trying to chew. And the guy's like, sounds a bit excessive, but do what you got to do. That sounds great. How does it, how's it going? And he's like, it's going fine. So I get up, I go, I get up at the right time, get right in that right frame. And then I got to do my meditation because you can't just jump straight in to eating a sandwich. And the problem is, you know, I spend about, uh, I need a good five minute uh, clarity of mind to get myself into the place of making this sandwich properly. But the problem is it takes me about 30 minutes to get through the full five minute meditation. And the guy's like, uh, <laughs> I don't, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And he's like, well, you see, like, as I sit there and I try to clear my mind, I can't stop thinking about eating sandwiches. So in order to get a five full minutes, it takes me about 30 minutes. And by that time, I have to go, uh, I don't have that much time to make the sandwich. And <laughs> the guy's just like, dude, all right, get on with it. Get, let's get to the good stuff. Let's, let's hear how it actually went. And he's like, good, because this is where it starts to get a little saucy. And the guy's like, yeah, let's hear it, man. How was that sandwich? He's like, hold on. I read a book about making sandwiches, and you probably didn't know this, but a, a good sandwich has three acts. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. You can't just put two slices of bread down and hawk on a bunch of toppings. You know, you've got to have a, a bread at the beginning, the filler in the middle, and then another piece of bread. And that's kind of one of the top secrets of great sandwich eaters. And uh, I get all the bread out. I like to have a bunch of different cover options. I'm thinking about going a lot of different directions with the cover design. Uh, I've got pumpernickel. I've got herbs and cheese. I've got olive loaf, a plain white, a nice ciabatta. And the guy, the other guy's just looking at him like, for the love of God, end this. <laughs> end of this story about you just eat the sandwich already did you eat the sandwich just tell me how did it go was it good and the guy stops and he looks him dead in the eye and he says yeah I mean uh, no I actually didn't eat the sandwich and in fact I haven't eaten in years I've died of starvation, putting off this sandwich eating for years. And I'm actually a ghost. I'm the ghost of sandwich future, here to tell you that the condiments will never align perfectly. There'll never be a perfect time to eat a sandwich. And I'm here to tell you that I've spent an eternity in sandwich limbo and I still can't bring myself to eat a sandwich. sandwich. And if Nike was a sandwich company, this is what they'd tell you. Just chew it. <laughs> Just chew it. Let's do it. Today on the show... Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the sandwich past, the sandwich future, the sandwich present, and we're going to figure out how to take a bite on that project that you've been trying to do for years because the condiments will never perfectly align. There will never be the exact right moment 
Today is as good of day as any, and we are just gonna chew it. So first up, of course, the first specter that's gonna visit you is the ghost of Sandwich Past. And let's dive a little bit into my rich history uh, with sandwiches, because a lot of you don't know this, but I was actually a sandwich artist before I was an artist. And I learned everything about art from my days working at Subway in college. I actually met my wife at Subway. We were we, we both worked at Subway, and there was this magic moment at this one, this one fateful day where we both are making these sandwiches. We're about to go on break, and uh, we both at the same time reach for the, the, <laughs> the cold cuts, and our hands touch, and it was just chemistry ever since then. Uh, that's, not, that's not true. It is true that we met at Subway, but that story is ridiculous and not real. Uh, but I, yeah, I was a sandwich artist first and I don't really know why they call it sandwich art. Uh, you know, I got on more than one occasion, I got in trouble for getting too expressive with my sauce action, my sauces, getting too expressive with the sauces because you're supposed to just do three lines and I would be doing some swirly, curly, cue, uh, fancy, swashy sauce action. And my boss didn't like that. She thought it was a waste of time and sauce. And uh, so I <laughs> got in trouble for that. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly hated those kind of jobs. I was terrible at them. And I, you know, just really stressed me out. I'm introverted, so all that extroverted time was just driving me crazy. So I had to make it fun for myself. So there's just all kinds of ridiculous things that I did. One of my favorite things to do, which is so childish, but it was a good time, was that sometimes someone will come up and they'll say, you know, you'll say, what kind of salad do you want? What kind of vegetables do you want? And they'd say, everything but jalapenos. And uh, this one time, this... <laughs> This couple comes in and they're like teenage couple and the guy is trying to play it cool. He's clearly out of his league and feeling self-conscious and I am a cruel individual at the time, I guess. And uh, I say, you know, what salad do you want on the sub? And he's like, um, everything but olives. And I said, but olives? We don't have any butt olives. What kind of gross establishment do you think this is? And he was like, I just don't want any olives on my sandwich. <laughs> he did not appreciate uh, the humor, if that's what you want to call it. And uh, I, there was just all kinds of ridiculous things. Like I remember uh, I once was, it was just me and a, and a uh, customer in the shop and I was making their sandwich in silence and I got to the end and right before I plop the sandwich down on the wrap and wrap it up, I just burst into laughter. And it was just uh, not what you want when someone's making your sandwich is for someone to just start cracking up. But I had envisioned what it would be like if right before I wrapped it up, I just picked it up and took a huge bite of it and the sandwich juices were like running down my face. And then I wrapped it up and tried to serve it to them like nothing had happened. And they were like... Uh, you just took a bite of my sandwich. And I was like, no, I didn't. Uh, and so I played that whole scenario out in my mind and I was laughing, cackling, uh, and they were not impressed. And there was nothing I could do. Like, what can you tell them? I, you know, I was envisioning of taking a bite of your sandwich and that's why I'm laughing. Um, that's also super weird. So uh, that was ridiculous. And uh, another thing that me and my friends used to do is that <laughs> when we got to the end, you know, you're serving these people. You're serving uh, them by making the sandwich and serving them these sandwiches. And at the end of the whole process, I would sometimes wrap up the sandwich, throw it in the little Subway bag, slap it on the counter and say, you got served. And, <laughs> and I was in England too, by the way. So there was the, <laughs> I'm serving these like very reserved British people. And there's this American that just shouted in their face, you got served. I don't know how I didn't get fired. I honestly don't, but uh, I made it a good time. And so those were the sandwiches in my past. 
And uh, to get back to the point of this episode, we're talking about how you get out of creative career limbo. And one of the key things that I think you can do is look into your past to the past times that you were in limbo and what it felt like to find your way out of that, uh, that place. What did it look like? What did it feel like? So for me personally, looking back on the time that I spent, the four years that it took me to launch the podcast, I learned so much about what it felt like to know when the right thing had come along and I'm just not acting on it to see the fears and how, you know, unfounded they were, how not based in reality they were, how there was really not that much risk on the table, even though it felt immense. And also that there were all kinds of ways of getting around it or hacking those fears. And so the first thing I want you to do is just look back into your past and ask yourself, when have I been stuck before? What kept me there? And how did I finally figure out what the right next thing was? And the one thing that I want to say is that uh, you probably already know what it is. Even at the beginning of this episode, I'm guessing as soon as I said, you're not doing the next right thing, the next thing that you need to make happen in your career, you're avoiding it. My guess and my assumption based on the the, 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 the creatives that I've worked with in the past and my experience in my own life, we almost, we almost lie to ourselves and say that we don't know as a way of hiding from what we're supposed to be doing next. And so I'm guessing that if you just stop, if you take some time away and you settle your spirit and you listen to your intuition, I bet you already know what the right next thing is. And so the first thing you got to do is identify what is my next right thing and what's stopping me from making it happen. Next up is the ghost of sandwich present. Now, I will tell you that in terms of my own life and my own sandwich eating behavior, the present is definitely the least interesting because I've been on a diet for over two years and my sandwich eating has gotten very unimpressive. Uh, I'm eating low calorie bread. You've heard the phrase, cut the mustard. I'm cutting the mayo. So I can never eat, even like the olive oil light mayo, I can't even afford the calories to really wet my bread with enough mayo. So I gotta cut it with something like sriracha uh, just just to get the minimum amount of calories on that sandwich possible. Uh, I don't like dry bread. And uh, so yeah, I cut the mayo, but my sandwich present isn't uh, that interesting. So I'm gonna leave it right there. In your sandwich present, in your creative career present, here's what you gotta do. This is the action that you can take today. Even if you are not prepared, even if you can't get over and actually start writing the book now, making the work now, doing the project today, even though you can't, maybe there are legitimate reasons why you can't get over that. Maybe there are true obstacles. So if the first thing you gotta do is identify what the next right thing is, the second thing you've gotta do is understand what are the things in between me and doing that thing. Sometimes it's as simple as fear. Maybe you're just afraid. But in terms of uh, the podcast, for instance, it wasn't just that I was afraid, it was also that I didn't know how to actually systematically make this podcast in terms of how do I make this kind of content? Content. How do I come up with it? If I was doing a show, what would the shows be about? And I didn't have the technical know-how. I didn't actually know how to host a podcast. I didn't actually know what kind of microphone I needed. So there were actual things that were stopping me, real obstacles. And if I could tackle those obstacles head on, that would actually be legitimate process. That would be taking my first bite of this sandwich. Uh, And so the second thing you gotta do is you've gotta do the research and development 
to properly prepare, you can't get over the obstacles if you don't know what they are. So you have to start researching and developing. And here's the process that I kind of do that really works for me. And if you start doing this process today, you will be actively working on that thing and the motion will start again and it will start to get you out of that limbo. Here's what I do. The first thing I do is I think, I think about it. I give time and space to actually think. I don't mean overthink. Now the difference between thinking and overthinking is that thinking happens when you've got a bunch of unresolved stuff going on in your mind and you can't make sense of it and you don't have clarity. Now, I think in our culture today, we're such an action-oriented culture, we're such a product productivity-oriented culture that we don't spend enough time actually thinking and actually we're anti-thinking. And anytime you start thinking, anytime you take specific time, precious time and hours to actually think, People call it overthinking. The minute you turn on your brain and you're like, here's the question that I have, this is the thing I'm trying to work through. Often when I bring that to somebody, their response is, don't overthink it. I'm like, no, I literally cannot take a step before I've made some of these decisions. And so the first thing you gotta do is think through what's going on. Set real time, your good time, the time when you're most energized, Set it aside and say, I'm going to think about all of this project and what it would entail and just start letting that churn in your mind. And when you've got some stuff, you start feeling like you're, you're hitting on some relevant points, the second thing you gotta do is you gotta brain dump it. Soon as that stuff is bubbling up to the surface, you need to find a way of capturing it. That can look like a bunch of different things. It can look like talking to a friend and taking notes. It can look like journaling. It can look like just bullet point journaling, like it's this, 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 and this. These are the things that I would need. It could be sticky notes. It could be going on a walk and just making notes on your phone. I do all of these things. But you've gotta just get all of that stuff. Once you're thinking, you've gotta get it cataloged somehow. The next thing you gotta do with all of that is find models. So one of the reasons you can't go any further after you brain dump without models is that it's just a big ball of mess and you have no roadmap on how to work it all out. So you take that brain dump and then the next thing you're gonna do is go do research out in the field. If it's a podcast, if it's a book, if it's an illustration project, if it's an album, Go look at comparable sources. They don't even have to be in your industry. They could, if it's a book, it can be a book from any industry. But you need to go find things that resonate, that have the structure that you can plug this brain dump into so that you can start making sense of it. Then, the fourth thing you do is you make an outline. You take the brain dump, you take your models from your research, and you start plugging it in. And obviously, I'm saying it in this very systematic way, and it's really helpful to have this system, but the truth is, there's a, it's a little messier than this. this. This system will make it way less messy than if you just tried to go do it on your own, but it's still, you're gonna have to go back and forth. Once you get to the outline, you might actually realize that you have more to brain dump, and then actually you have to go back and find a different model, and you kinda have to work through it a little back and forth, but after you have all that, you make your outline, like this is the process it would take for me to get from A to point B, this is your plan of action. And just a little thing about plan of action, once you have a plan of action that you feel good about, if you spend any further time thinking, you're now transitioning from thinking to overthinking. When you already have a plan and you're not taking action, but you're just thinking about taking action, that's when you're overthinking and you don't want to get stuck in there. Once you have a plan of action, the last thing you're gonna do is take action. You're gonna make it happen. And so if this is writing a book, it looks like you have a plan of action, you have an outline, you start writing the book. And you say, I'm gonna write three chapters out of the 10 chapters I'm gonna write, and I'm gonna see if I'm getting anywhere. And this is the interesting thing about this process is that as you get three chapters in, you might realize that you had more to brain dump, you had more to think about. There were problems and things that you didn't expect and you have to go back to the beginning. But the truth is this cycle, if you work through it a few times, 
you will start making significant progress. And if you can kind of understand that it's a process of experimentation that will propel you forward and it's kind of like a two steps forward, one step back kind of thing, you'll feel the, the power of actually pushing forward even when you have to go back and redo things. And I think one of the reasons why we don't start on the thing that we know we're supposed to start on is that we know that we don't even know where to start. We don't even know, we know that we don't know everything. And so this is a process of getting it all on the table so you can actually start making some action and don't be discouraged if you have to redo parts of this process because it's all forward motion. Number three, we're going into sandwich future. Number three is just chew it. Just <laughs> Some of you are gonna love that dad joke. Some of you are gonna hate it, but hey, I'm a dad and I'm joking, so it's bound to happen. Uh, the last thing you gotta do is take action, make it happen, and I don't just mean write the book. And I'm gonna get to that in a second, but before we go there, I've been thinking about the future of sandwiches. I've been thinking a lot about it as I'm making this episode. I imagine that Jimmy John's will get even freakier with super fast drone sandwich delivery. Uh, I thought, what about you know the Mars One colony? Will they'll be well? What will sandwiches be when they have to be anti-gravity proof? Like, how can you make that? Maybe the sauces will be extra sticky to kind of hold the thing together. Just thinking about the chemistry of these sauces, uh, and then I imagined in the future, what if McDonald's comes out with the McTrump sandwich? And uh, I'm thinking it's got a super secret, top secret, classified secret sauce. Now, some people will speculate that it's just actually a bit of Russian dressing, but <laughs> depending on where you get your news, I'll let you kind of decide how you feel about that. Uh, but <laughs> so that's the future of sandwiches from my perspective. And uh, I'm... Here's what I really mean about just chew it already. Here's what I'm talking about. We need to pull the future into today. I love that idea of taking your future and acting so that you can actually pull it into your present. And uh, here's how I want you to think about it because I think the main thing that stops you from doing this piece, the main obstacle is the middleman. And I think that creative people, this is just such a massive um, roadblock for so many creative people. You know, if you wanna make a book and actually making a book, the biggest roadblock, the biggest obstacle in your mind is thinking that you need a publishing deal thinking that you can't self-publish it because it's not legit enough. And uh, I feel like there's actually a good way of circumnavigating this and actually getting through. And here's what I want you to do before we go any further. This thing that you feel like you need to do, you need to sort out whatever it is in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions that says that you need Big Brother Corporation to affirm and sign off on your legitimacy. I have worked with uh, you know, a lot of big clients and there's thrilling things about that and it's fantastic, but I realized at some point this innate need to have big corporate clients to affirm my creativity was actually doing a lot more damage than it was helping. And that it was coming from kind of a sick, twisted place in me. That this need for it to be a big published thing was actually hurting my ability to make the thing the way that I really believed it needed to be made and therefore I didn't make it at all. And so are you waiting for the perfect opportunity for this big corporate uh, sign-off, for this gatekeeper to say that what you want to make is worthwhile? 
And here's what I think you got to do. I think you've got to decide in your heart that you are going to do this thing, whether anyone else signs off on it or not. Because when you can get into that space, that's the real commitment level. When you know you're going to make this thing happen regardless of anybody else, that's when you start really working on it. You're not just working on the pitch anymore. You're really giving the thing your all because you're not just testing it. You're not like, well, maybe they want this, maybe they want that. You're saying, this is what I want this thing to be. And I'm not saying that if you get an opportunity, if you make the thing and you shop it around a little bit and a big publisher wants to take it or a big TV network wants to take it, I'm not saying you should say no, but I'm saying that you need to let go of that because it's an obstacle from the real work that you need to put in to doing the thing. And so I always encourage creative people to be the total package. If you want to be an illustrator, the problem with being an illustrator is you got to have something to illustrate. But if you have no content on your own, you've got nothing to illustrate. If you have visual artwork that has uh, that doesn't have something to expand upon and expound upon, it's not an illustration, it's fine art. In order for a picture to be illustration, it has to illustrate something. And if you don't know how to make your own content, you can't make illustration without someone bringing you that content. And it's just like being an actor. If you're an actor, but you're not a writer-actor, then you have to wait for someone to validate you someone to pick you and give you the perfect script. And the problem with that is they have to see your potential and how awesome you are and how to use you, which requires tons of time and energy and attention from somebody else who doesn't know you, especially if you haven't been tested. And so instead of waiting for someone else to figure out how to best use you, it makes more sense if you're an illustrator to also be an amateur journalist. Maybe you can be a pro illustrator, and if you can just do an amateur level of journalism, then you'll have something decent to illustrate, and you'll really be working on illustrations. And if you're an actor, maybe you can just work on a script that gets you into the right meetings. And if you're a song, uh, if you're a singer, maybe you'll also need to figure out how you can make your own songs. So I firmly believe in this day and age, in order to gain traction, you can't wait to win the creative career lottery. You can't wait for the fairy godmother to recognize your talent and recognize that you're special and give you a shot at the ball. You've got to take the ball into your own court, switched the meaning of ball there, uh, and, and make this thing happen by becoming the total package and not waiting for Big Brother Corporation to come sign off on your project. This has been an absolute game changer. When I was thinking about making kids books, I got stuck in that, that uh, swirl of feedback from an editor because I was just trying to please them enough to get a book deal. So they say, change it. I change it. They say, no, not that way. Change it this way. And spent years in that cycle. Whereas if I really wanted to make a kid's book, if I knew that was the right thing to do, I would make the book that I knew that I wanted to make. I would shop it around to 30 publishers. And if no one, nobody wanted it, I'd make a passionate Kickstarter that said, this is the book that I was born to make. Help me make it. And even if I sell a small amount, at least I'm not just getting royalties from a publisher. And that will give me enough leeway to do it all over again and, and take what I've learned in that process and get better. And eventually, if I can gain enough traction and enough of an audience, a publisher will see that and help come alongside me and help with the distribution. And I've seen it over and over. Don't think of it as, oh, I have to self-publish. And don't pretend like you're not self-publishing it. Make it a part of an audience. Make it a part of a community. Make it a part of doing exactly the thing that's on your heart. I've seen this over and over again with people that are really successful. The people that don't see self-publishing as a failure, but see it as an opportunity to do the real legitimate thing that's on their heart that they've got to do next. You don't even have to call it self-publishing. Say, I'm making a book. I wonder if you're interested in it. Is this for you? And so the last step is just do it. 
And one last thing that helps in just doing it is this idea of the MVP, MVP, not most valuable player. It's not the sports world. If you think about it in the startup world, it's, we have this idea. We need basically like a proof of concept. We need to get something out into the market so that we can start gathering the kind of information and momentum we need to get it to its ideal place. And for the podcast, that's, that's how I had to get started. Tim Ferriss always says that you have this giant vision of what you want to do, but then you need to step back and say, what would it be like if it was easy? And that means if I want to make this marketing podcast where I'm doing interviews with people and I'm doing these long episodes with these big ideas and these, and it's really well produced and all that stuff. Okay, great. That's the vision. That's the ideal version. How can we take the base essence of that thing, boil it down to what if it was 80% as good as it's going to be, but 100% easier to make right now, what would that look like? For kids' books, for me, it looked like instead of thinking about making a kids' book, what if I made a kids' book that was just a zine? Because I could do that today. I could launch that. And for my podcast, it looked like starting, instead of thinking about how I do these hour-long, well-produced podcasts, what if I just use Creative Commons music, record it on my phone, and they're just 10 minutes long, and they're just, and just design them to be differently. Like, I thought, you know, here's, I'll make a few of these a week. You can listen to them. They'll just keep you going. They're little pep talks. And that's how the podcast started. And I didn't have to buy a microphone. And I, and I hosted it on my website, on my Squarespace. It wasn't the best place, and eventually I had to switch it to get to the ideal spot. But it got it started. And I do everything this way. Everything that I know that I have to do, I try to figure out what is the easiest way in there just so I can start gathering the right intel, just so I can get some positive momentum and get past the fear and the, mag uh, the magnitude of this giant dream that I have. How can I just take my first bite? So I kind of feel like in my experience that the universe is kind of like a really good mom. And like a good mom, you're sat there at the dinner table and she's not gonna let you leave dinner time lim limbo. She's not gonna let you get off your seat and progress to the next thing. You're not getting seconds, you're not getting dessert until you finish what's already on your plate. You gotta eat those vegetables. You gotta do the next right thing before you get to the next stage. And if you're stuck, in limbo, it's time to take your first bite because unless you can be responsible and take care of what's already going on, what's all the opportunities that are already there, you're not going to be given any bigger ones. You're not going to be given any progress. You're not going to move on to the good stuff if you haven't eaten your broccoli, your creative career broccoli. And... Uh, we did Creative Pep Rally, which was an event a little, uh, about a month ago, and I had some uh, mentors visit me. Uh, and they weren't dead. They were much, very much alive. Uh, they were more like uncles than ghosts. So we had uh, Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Kyle Sheely. He always talks about sandwiches, which is just a thing that he does, but he also talks about the philosophical query of what is a sandwich, because, you know, you'll say a sandwich is uh, two pieces of bread with stuff in the middle. Well, what about open face sandwiches? Those are still sandwiches and they only have one bread and they're at the bottom and the stuff is on top. That's still a sandwich. And uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? Because it's two pieces surrounding a filling. Is that a, is, a, is that a sandwich? Is a hamburger a sandwich? No, a hamburger is not a sandwich. So there's all this debate about what is a sandwich. And here's my point, whatever you're going to go do, however, whatever the project is, whatever the past, the book, the movie, the album, whatever it is, whatever the sandwich is that you're gonna eat, there's no one way, there's no right way to make this sandwich. There's all, so there's no right or wrong way to do it, so just do it. 
And then there's also Uncle Brad. Uncle Brad Montague uh, came through town and he reminded me of something that just cut me to my core on this topic. He said that he was working on a book and he just couldn't figure out how to make it happen. And he had this opportunity to go visit this amazing writer and he thought he's gonna soak up all this amazing info and secrets about how to hack your way into writing a book. And the writer sits him down and says, all right, I've got exactly what you need to write your book. Here it is. And he pulled out a pencil. The only thing you need to write the book is a pencil. Just to write it. Just get on writing it. And it's like, you know, reading a book about wanting to write a book is like being starving and not going to the kitchen, but throwing on the TV to the Food Network and watching other people eat sandwiches. And you don't need the same knife that Gordon Ramsay needs to cut his sandwiches. You don't have to know what pen that uh, Wes Anderson uses to write his screenplays. It's not about the pen. It's about taking the first bite. And uh, I wanna be your uncle, your other, your third uncle, of <laughs> creative career future. And I want to say I've been to the future. I have saw what happened when you tried to make this work. And I'll tell you what, you didn't do it right. That's the first thing I'm going to tell you. You started, you stopped, you restarted, you tried it again. By the time the thing got published, there was something wrong. There was a typo. There was a thing here or there. But I will say this, although you didn't do it the right way, you did it. And you got one step closer to being in that sweet, sweet, creative career sweet spot where the thing, the amazing overflow, the creativity that's flowing from you has found a, it's got one step closer to finding the people who are in desperate need of the creative career, uh, artwork, the creative work that you have hidden inside of you. And you've gotten one step closer to fulfilling that creative destiny. And when you're working in that sweet spot, you've never felt more alive. And even though you didn't do it right, you did it and you're so happy that you did. There are so many times in my career, I tell you this all the time, but I often, I make these episodes for me, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten years ago. Me, from the past, I'm making these for myself and I like to think about how there is no time. It's only a construct of our minds and maybe me recording this right now was the energy that I was pouring into the past and the person, me, 18, doesn't know what the heck I'm doing, just trying to find some, uh, tr trying to find what my thing is. Me at 25, I found my thing, I'm trying to develop it, trying to work on it and I don't know if it's gonna pay off, and you might be in that same place where you're just not sure whether this action's gonna lead to anything, whether it's gonna really matter, and I've been to the future, and I'm gonna tell you that it did. to do. I got a little assignment for you. The hashtag assignment worked really well last time. We're going to do it again. This time, I want you to take your first bite. Do, even if it's just the thinking, if it's the notes, if it's the brain dump, if it's the research, if you actually start working on the thing, I want you to take a photo of it or upload it to Instagram and use this hashtag, which is first bite proof. Uh, something that proves that that thing that you know you're supposed to do, you started working on it. I want to see that. I want to go see all those and uh, see the proof that this episode is paying off. I really hope that it did because I put tons of my soul into this one because I really care about it because it's 
it's such a uh, an important thing for your creative destiny. Uh, by the way, if you love Creative Pep Talk and you want to support it, but you're also not completely unselfish, which I can relate to, I'm the same, <laughs> and you want something for it, go to creativepeptalk.com slash shop and get yourself a Make Your Own Waves poster to remind you that you got to take action, you got to chew it. If you want to eat it, you got to take a bite, you got to make it happen. I made that poster especially for this episode, and it's all about acting and making it happen. So go check it out. It's an 11 by 14 matte paper poster. I'm really happy with it. It's also the artwork for this episode, so if you've seen the artwork, you've seen it. Um, go check it out, creativepeptalk.com slash shop to get yours. Okay, dudes, by the way, Nate Utesh, I love you, man. Uh, Nate Utesh is uh, the guy behind Metavari. He puts all of the tunage uh, into this show. I use his music for the show, and uh, it makes it so lovely. Also, thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music at the beginning and the very end. Uh, I'm a massive, massive fan. It's a dream come true to use that music. I love it so much. Uh, it brings a tear to my eye when I hear it now. Um Although I will say, Yoni, if you're listening, you didn't play January 20-something when I went to see you in Cincinnati, and I was really sad that I didn't get to hear the Creative Pep Talk theme music in person, so maybe next time. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks to all you listeners. Hey, thanks. Last thing I want to say, thanks to all the Patreon backers. Um, I did a little video. I, I try to post little mini pep talks on there that are a little bit more personal. They're often cataloging the things that I'm going on, going through right now. Uh, so I'm sharing a little bit more than I usually share. And I'm trying to figure out how to turn that Patreon into more of a creative pep talk community where you can post work and get feedback and ask questions and share fears. And uh, yeah, I just want to figure out how we can get the pepperonis together online so that we're not all alone in our caves going through all these uh, creative battles. So um, yeah, go if you back the Patreon at $2, you get access to all the peppy talks. And uh, I've been doing them with video recently too, and that's been kind of cool. Um, some people said they liked it, so that's good, I guess. Um, but big thanks to all the Patreon backers. Really, really appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you guys. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned. we got an awesome interview planned uh, next uh, week. I'm really excited to share it with you. Um, so stay tuned. Thanks, and stay pepped.